I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have Jesse Salvo, who is the author of Blue Rhinoceros and the senior fiction editor for Bull Magazine. Jesse is coming to us all the way from Spain. Do I have that right? Yes? Yes. Uh, and we are very excited to have him. So Jesse, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. You're our first Spanish author. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an honor. We're working our way around the world. Across the pond, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize you were actually in Spain, so that's very cool. Yes. So we're keeping you up, apparently. Oh, it's my pleasure. I went down and had an espresso like an hour and a half ago, so I'm very, <laughs> okay. I'm wired for sound over here. So if I did that, I'd be awake till to Saturday, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it remains to be seen. Well. <laughs> Okay, so Emma said you were uh, the editor of Bull, so I was just trying to look that up. Can you tell us a little bit about what Bull is? Yeah, so Bull Fiction is run by, our editor-in-chief is Ben Drevelo. I've been working for them for around three years. I started out just as a regular reader, and then during the pandemic, I think our submissions kicked up quite a lot, and our slush pile grew substantially, and so... Any, any crisis is an opportunity, so I got pulled in to, to do more hands-on editorial work, and so I've been like a senior fiction editor for them for now about two years. Nice. It's a pleasure. It has totally changed how I view writing fiction. Like reading 10 slush pile pieces makes you re-examine everything <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing thus far as a fiction writer, so... That was eye-opening in a good way, in a, a forced self-awareness. <laughs> so I'd love to hear what that kind of stuff was. Like, what did you stop and go, man, am I doing that? Like, what what kind of things should we all avoid? Oh, yeah. So I think... Um, some I know it's of a it long is, list. But <laughs> yeah, we all, <laughs> we all can do better. I mean, some of the stuff is a little bit obvious, stuff that's a little bit self-indulgent, or a little bit like tonally reminiscent. Like if you're doing sort of a cheap imitation of like Susan Sontag mixed with Joseph Mitchell, I'm showing my true colors here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that stuff can be can be a little bit grim and really, really take you out of the experience of reading fiction. But I think the less wishy-washy answer is like, I found that I really like short fiction that can explain itself on its own terms, both in terms of story and as media. Like... I want something that self-evidently works better as a short story than it would as like a straightforward piece of political editorial or a film script or something. Mm. And that's something that I didn't think about intentionally when I was structuring stories before and, and really took to heart once I, once I started reading quite a bit. That is a great observation because I don't think many of us stop and think about, is this the right medium for the thing we're trying to say? Because we're authors. So we're like, oh yeah, I'm going to write a story. But maybe sometimes writing a story isn't the right answer. I hate to say that. <laughs> yes. Or at least not writing a story in short story or book form. Maybe you do need a script. Maybe you need a poem. Maybe you just need to do, like you said, a letter to the editor and, you know, just say what you really mean. And exercise that demon. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a good impulse because we all, just to reach for the pen to try and to work the muscle out is great. But I've been doing this long enough to know that not everything that comes out on the other end is going to be gold. <laughs> so 
to sort of uh, study the impulse and then and then figure out whether whether the thing that you finally produce actually seems to comport with the idea you had in your head when you when you first reached for the pen is a is a nice uh, rubric. <laughs> so I'm always interested. Do you have other people edit your work or do you edit your own? So I have a, a dedicated, long-suffering group of first readers for a lot of my stuff. Luckily, I can count my sister among them. So she, <laughs> I'm not and legally she'll just be allowed. Brutal. Yeah, right, exactly. I'm not legally allowed to 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 not talk to her anymore. So she can pretty much tell me the truth about any given thing with impunity. Also, a couple a couple of very close friends from New York and sort of a cadre of people over the years who I send things to before. Luckily, before I hit the submit button to any given magazine. <laughs> Uh, it's really, really averted a couple of catastrophes <laughs> by having, by having that. You can't always see your own stuff. You're just right. too close to it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it just makes you a better writer just to have like a cooling saucer for some of your stuff and then go back to it in three months. And the stuff that fails is a really, really good teacher. It's an interesting instructive mechanism because you can study that and put it next to the stuff that has worked or, or works and kind of start to begin to pull out a skeleton of what a, a working story looks like. Hmm. So did you primarily do short stories before? Yeah. So since I, I would say since t- around 2018, I started working very intentionally and concentratedly in like a short story space. And I had like sort of a, I wanted to be really intentional about a sort of a portfolio of short stories that I was really proud of that I thought had done really well. And that had had passed muster at, at a few magazines before I engaged in like a really big, long, ambitious project. Previous to that, I had been writing for some some comedy magazines, which were not foreign affairs, but did provide the the fringe benefit of keeping the lights in my apartment on. So <laughs> um when I switched over to fiction, I, I sort of had a, a five-year plan of the sort of stuff I wanted to be publishing. And then in 2020, the pandemic hit and I, well, over here in Spain, there was a national confinement about two months where everyone was in their apartments except to go get groceries or if you needed to go to the hospital. So we were stuck inside quite a bit and uh, I started to work on a novel, which was actually originally a short story that hadn't really worked as a short story. And now you know why. And it's, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that was the added benefit. <laughs> so what type of fiction do you write? Uh, what type of fiction do I normally write? Well, you can probably tell based on, based on uh, bits of the novel, it's a little bit comedic often and a little bit, a little bit absurdist. I find worlds are much more interesting for me to explore if I have a fundamentally off-kilter character to sort of siphon all of my weirder authorial impulses through and then I can and then I can kind of get some more reasonable perspective reading the beginning of blue rhinoceros i kept thinking i was reading like Dr. Watson or one of the kind of classic detectives, but with a sense of humor. Like if he was self-aware enough to know what he was doing, like, yeah, I'm narrating this thing. I know. Then this is what it would sound like. It's, it's very polished and very 
engaging. There's a clear voice. And just when you think you're like, okay, yeah, no, I see where this is going. Like there's like a little curveball of humor that you weren't expecting. And I really <sighs> like it. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. Yeah. So I think the main thing for me is always sort of language. And this, this goes for the, the short stories that I, that I end up really liking for the magazine as well is language that sort of elect, electrifies or throws, throws me off kilter a little bit or makes me look askance at objects or interactions I'd otherwise think of as being like common place. I think mm-hmm. someone I, I reach back to all the time is Joseph Mitchell and his nonfiction writing for that, because on a sentence level, he w- is just always someone who is such a thrilling author to read, even when he's describing the most banal things or, or people who would not be considered exceptional by any, by any modern or, or utilitarian rubric, the way he can describe the commonplace with such beautiful sympathy and, and uh, uh, such a keen sense of humor is always something I, I aspire to. Though I, I want to say that's something I aspire to. That's the novel is a poor, a poor not uh, swing at that. Okay, okay, no, but I'm, but I'm looking at your reviews, they seem very positive. <laughs> I need to embarrass you. Yeah, embarrass you. Go ahead. I need to embarrass you by reading this sentence aloud because I love it. Mm-hmm. Is it the first one? It's not the first one. The first sentence in his book, go to Amazon right now, uh, read the (laughs) book inside and read the first sentence. And basically, if you like that first sentence, you will like this book. I think that's that's the metric here. But let me read you this one. Uh, He's talking about laundry. You'd think the largest items would be the biggest pain, but actually it is the small things, the socks and gloves and the like, which you cannot individually clip and hang from a laundry line without first letting go of your sanity and pitching headfirst into blackest madness. And so you end up hanging a thousand little socks everywhere, all over the room, like ratty woven charms. Or at least I do. (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) It was a journey. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh that, You definitely took us somewhere. That matching yeah. is ripped straight from the headlines. Uh, it's very common here to have a washer but no dryer. Uh, <laughs> which uh here in Galicia where it rains like 230 days a year means a lot of ratty woven charms on various lamps. <laughs> Interesting. So why I'm curious is why you boast your book in New York. Now I'm all for it cuz it's a zoo, so that got me right there, but um <laughs> what, why not Spain? So I was I was uh, born in New York. I was uh, raised there for some for some uh, seventeen odd years, and there's there's something really it's hard it's hard to say charming because New York can be a little bit tough sometimes. But there's something re- I find really compelling about especially that sort of upstate New York area. I used to go hiking in the Adirondacks all the time, and I just I that region is really holds a lot of romance for me. It seemed like a perfect place to set what is essentially a big, strange fairy tale, farcical fairy tale with noir elements, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite yeah. a combination. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. the this thing on Amazon says it's a shaggy dog story with a Hitchcockian engine at its center. I'm like, okay, yeah. okay I'm for it. That's, that's good. <laughs> Uh, yes, suggestion of the publisher. They, they have been they've been nothing but helpful, and I have been nothing but uh, sort of bumblingly clueless about how to <laughs> go about 
selling or or market convincing anyone to read my book. <laughs> so they're uh, they're really wonderful. That's the hard part. After yeah. you write it, then you got to do all the other stuff. Yeah, all the icky, just like little email mm-hmm. sending, and yeah, absolutely. But sometimes you get to be on podcasts like this. And well, yeah, this it. is yeah, <laughs> this is the better part, <laughs> but far and away. So I appreciate Shame it. Compliments. <laughs> um, tell us about your publisher since you brought them up. Yeah. Uh, so New Meridian is is wonderful. They're made up. I don't want to say in majority because we've only corresponded mostly in writing, but in large part of different translators. People who worked in the translation space wanted to get a wider audience for for non-English language authors and then sort of uh, over time decided to open up a an independent publishing house in New York that uh, gives bigger voice to what they consider sort of transnational or, or international authors, usually with some sort of vaguely uh, lefty bent, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say. And yeah, and they've been nothing but uh, nothing but a pleasure to work with thus far. New Meridian, New Meridian Arts. Sorry, I should have said the name of the publisher up front. <laughs> New Meridian Arts is the name of the publisher. They're really great. Highly recommend submitting to them if, if you have a, a genius pot boiler you're sitting on so but you said they were primarily looking for people overseas to do i think well they they are attracted to authors who either work in more than one language or at least have some sort of international profile but it's not a it's it's not like they exclude authors who don't do that it's just that they're they're sort of dedicated to to getting a broader audience, I think, for more idiosyncratic books or or books that wouldn't normally get a second glance at maybe a bigger publishing house, which is really nice. So I'm realizing that you are an American expat living in Spain, mm-hmm. which means that I am um, contractually obligated to ask you, what are your thoughts on Ernest Hemingway? Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. It's not my fault. I had to ask. Uh, no, yeah, uh, it is. It is something my my partner loves to uh, to bring up to me because she enjoys watching me uh, roll into conniptions. Uh, <laughs> um, Ernest Hemingway. Oh, look, you stumped him. <laughs> oh God. In a in a sense, a in a sense, a, a, a very talented. Deeply flawed person who I think maybe has outsized weight in the current culture of American letters. There you go. That was very <laughs> diplomatic. Uh, I, that was way better probably... than I, yeah, way better than I was when I was like a grad student. <laughs> it was much, good. It was very good. Uh, much more polished. So. Less expletives. <laughs> I do enjoy quoting Ernest Hemingway, though, because I like to go to high schools and tell the kids that the first draft of everything is shit uh, because it always gets a laugh. Yeah, and (laughs) that I mean, that's great advice. Some of the other stuff I could take or leave. I could leave it at the door. But but that is is really good. (laughs) So now that you've completed the first book, is there another book in the works? Oh boy, that's the yeah. Yeah, Delve right in. Yeah. Um, I am very superstitious about discussing projects before I'm okay. finished with them. But um, valid, 
<laughs> but there will be a project. Yes, there, there will be something that I labor at for a considerable amount of time, bang my head against a wall, uh, <laughs> shelve for three months, join a monastery, come back to <laughs> and finish, I think. Yeah, probably. Was that the process? For that was the process. Yes, it was Just very so, okay. monastic being in the in the apartment for two months. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was a semi-monastic experience. Did you go visit any actual rhinoceroses? I did not. No, <gasps> no, no, no. I was. Uh, I... <laughs> it it didn't come up. I I I was doing an exceptional amount of reading about rhinoceroses. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I did find out while looking up your book that I cannot spell rhinoceros. So that was Nor interesting. Nor can I. Yeah. yeah. I was like, rhino, no. Thankfully, Amazon found it for me. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's mostly, it's just a public service campaign to get everyone. It's like that Gwen Stefani song that exactly. taught everyone to spell banana. It's, that's the thing that I was going for. So, bananas. <laughs> that one? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The very same. Yeah, exactly. So. You have to do the head bob, or it doesn't count. <laughs> I think that I think the head bob is is obligatory. I, I believe right, so. Right. Okay, well, I won't ask you about your future projects. I'm glad to hear that there will be more. Oh, no, you're totally welcome to. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh I am curious without without talking about too in depth. Will any of them be based in Spain, or do you like sticking with the U.S. Um, locations? I think I like sticking with the U.S. for now. I would love to write about Spain at some point, but I think, I think John Irving said something about when he, when he published a prayer for Owen Meany, he said like, I needed to wait 10 years until like after the Vietnam war, before I could write anything with correct perspective about it. And Hmm. I think right now I've, I've been living here for about a half decade but I think I still I still need that critical distance, or I run the risk of over overweighting the narrative in some strange way. But I would love to do a translation of a Spanish novel that is that is high on my list if I can ever oh, cobble together so cool. the the money or rob a bank or something. <laughs> Again, extreme solutions. <laughs> Yes, we yeah. went from monastery to rob a bank. I <laughs> so if, uh, if people want to keep up with your escapades of, you know, monasticism and bank robbing, uh, <laughs> where can they find you on the internet? Where can they find me on the internet? The book has an Instagram. I'm thrilled to say. Blue Rhinoceros book. Super simple. We'll you be might doing... want to spell it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Let me jump on it for a second. So it's at the sign B L U E underscore R H I N O C E R O S underscore B O O K Blue Rhinoceros book on Instagram. I'm doing my best over here. Uh, I do I appreciate the I appreciate the layups though. <laughs> and if you would like to purchase a book, it is available either on Amazon or through my publisher. That would be New Meridian Arts. You can order from them directly if you find Jeff Bezos to be particularly icky. And beyond that, I will be touring through the United States, I believe, later this summer. So hopefully, oh, fun. yeah. So hopefully, we'll have some dates in major and minor U.S. cities. So you're doing an official book tour. Yes, as official as we get around here. Yeah. 
Um, well, if you come to Maine, let me know. I'll hook absolutely. you up. Absolutely, I will the be in New England. up here. Okay. okay. All right. So I will. I will drop you a line. Absolutely. Awesome. She knows all the locals. I'm in Virginia. I don't know any of the locals here. So. Okay. All right. so skip Virginia. Go straight to Maine. <laughs> this is where the market is, really. You know, all 12 people in Maine want to buy this book. I could here. take you to the zoo to meet a rhinoceros, though. All right. Okay. That would be helpful, just in case I start to work on the sequel. Just in case. <laughs> Get some the basic... red rhinoceros, pink <laughs> rhinoceros. You do a whole series like a what is it, Sue Grafton that has the like yeah, the X Y Z. Yes, for murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Just saying. Anyway, <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show, yes. Jesse. I feel like we have not laughed this much on an episode in a really long time. So. Apologies well, to everyone listening. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys so much it's, for having it's me. It's all Jesse's fault. I'm it's sorry if I've yep. completely wrecked the audio of this episode. No, you're great. You're great. Hey there, Indie Book Talk listener. When this episode uh, was recorded back in June, I hadn't yet embarked on the U.S. leg of my book tour and as such didn't have much to promote in the way of author appearances. It's now mid-July and that has significantly changed for the better. So if you, for reasons you can't explain to yourself, enjoyed hearing this author conversation, here are some upcoming book events you can set your watch by, as well as some other ways you can help support the book and my ongoing quest to never work again. On the 14th of August, I will be at Java Madness in Providence, Rhode Island. On the 21st of August, I will be at Single Cut Beersmiths in Astoria, New York. On the 15th of September, I'll be at Q and Willow Books in Q Gardens, New York. And on the 22nd of September, I'll be making a West Coast appearance at Barley in San Francisco. Finally, on the 26th of September, I will be at Brooklyn Book Festival reading and tabling with New Meridian, my publisher. I'll note that we fully anticipate adding Vermont, Boston, Los Angeles, and maybe even Texas events, but I'm hesitant to confirm them here until they're, until they're nailed down to the floor. So stay tuned. If you want to be apprised of each Pulse Pounding Book Tour update, you can follow blue underscore rhinoceros underscore book on Instagram. And finally, in case you want to support the book but don't want to order it online because you're addicted to talking to salespeople, you are in luck. Starting this week, Blue Rhinoceros will be available at Books and Books in Miami, Florida, Q and Willow Books in Queens, New York, and Book Soup in Los Angeles, California. So in case you want to support your local bookstore, go on down and ask them for a copy. Thanks. Thanks.